0: Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by my good friends in radio, Barnabas Piper and uh, Ronnie J. Martin. Uh, boys, we've got uh, we got a full slate of things to talk about and uh, a full slate of sponsors today, man. Our, our cup runneth over uh, here at Happy Rant Studios. So, uh, Barnabas, without further ado, man, you are the, uh, the the Michael Jordan of the book promo. You're yes. the, the the Picasso of the promo for art lovers out there. Um, why don't you hit us with a little promo, and then we'll uh, we'll get into these topics, baby. I would prefer to think of myself as the uh, Andy Warhol
1: of book promos for artists, but to each his oh, own. I see, man. I see where you're going with to, that. I to to like each
0: it. his wow. own. Wow. You
2: try to throw a guy a compliment, and <laughs> has to totally... Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And but, even a compliment look, gets edited, you know? <laughs> The art community is nothing if not a bit snobbish about their preferences, so I have to speak into that. Um, no, our, our first sponsor is Nav Press, and specifically the book Bound to be Free. Uh, the subtitle is Escaping Performance to be Captured by Grace, and it's by D.A. Horton. Um, D.A. is actually a friend of mine. I've known him for a few years, and we got to know each other through some conferences in Chicago and the like. But uh, really good teacher, good author, good writer. One of the best that I've met at taking – current culture and sort of drawing out biblical and theological and life themes. And the, the whole idea of this book is it's broken into two halves. The first half half talks about what he calls the performance trap. So the idea of feeling trapped to perform in relationships, uh, needing affirmation from other people, living up to peers' expectations, just trying to find happiness in performance. And then the second half is what he calls the trap of God's grace, and it's actually the trap that sets us free and that's trusting God, recon, being reconciled to God, affection from God, and then the partnership with the saints of God. And in all of these, it's all very, um, it's very relevant to everyday life. So this is not all a theoretical thing. He weaves in a lot of his story, shares other people's stories, current context, all these different kinds of things. Um, he's a really honest and humble writer. So he's not somebody who's coming at it from the perspective of sort of the, the know it all talk down to the readers, but sounds like he's walking alongside the readers. So again, that is a book called bound to be free escaping performance to be captured by grace. Y'all should check it out. DA has written a couple other books uh, that came out from Moody publishers a few years ago, had a chance to work with him on his first one. um, if for no other reason, you should get this because he is such a great guy. So uh, you can get this anywhere. It came out uh, just a couple weeks ago, uh, bound to be free. Go check it out at Amazon or Lifeway.com or Barnes & Noble or wherever it is you buy your books and uh, and go get it so that so the DA can go plant a church in Los Angeles and you are helping him uh,
0: do that. Wow. Big R, once again, man. I'm just floored, and, and my yeah. Dream I don't been,
2: even. Do we continue with the broadcast, or do we? We could just, just
0: close the program we, now. You know, Rachel. The uh, hell yeah, hell, whatever. Yeah, exactly. We've <laughs> wandered to it and it. fro.
2: That Good was the book bro. promo. We're out. Thank you. <laughs> we should
1: Dave, just you know what? Should, should we just do a special episode of book promos? I mean, I, the way you guys praise it. this, I'm wondering if our ratings would go up, and we could get sponsors just by sponsoring.
2: Right. And that would be like a week off for Ted and I as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, I mean
0: that I, would be such a you know, hipsters talk about things that are meta. That would be meta. It's 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 inception
1: like is really what it is. is. Yeah. Amazing that yeah. that was a Christopher Nolan movie, right? Inception was. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. I mean it's he he has he has reshaped how we think about things because Inception is now like the reference points for layers upon layers. So
0: layers well, upon layers, man. Well listen, there was a movie yeah, that I was very I was very humdrum about that movie. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but
2: you mean a, a couple of guys that have some dreams? Yeah, yeah. it was good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Baby, speaking of dreams and speaking of movies, um, a few days ago we had uh, the the 88th Oscar ceremony. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about the Oscars. This used to be like appointment viewing in my household. Like we would, you know, we we would sort of look forward to this and and gather around. Sometimes we would have parties. Um, I don't know if it's age or I don't know if it's just, you know, better perspective or whatever, but, uh, but, but like a lot of things, it's kind of jumped the shark for me and gotten a little old. And and I felt especially this year, like it was just very much Hollywood, like thinking that it was solving all of society's problems and then simultaneously like patting itself on the back for solving all of society's problems. And
1: wait, wait Hollywood is self-congratulatory.
0: I'm confused. Yeah, I know, dude. I know it's a shock, but, uh, but, but that dynamic, I think um caused me to shut it off after about 20 minutes so um i've only got 20 minutes worth of like context to work with but uh what what were your guys thoughts on the oscars man i mean we've got the chris rock monologue which was to me like utterly predictable but but yet still controversial uh i guess there are a lot of people talking about that um we've got uh, DeCap winning his first oscar and for, and giving, for a movie like, that he prepared. didn't
1: deserve it for
0: Yeah, exactly. And then giving a prepared sermon on climate change, which I'm sure was really powerful. So, um, I don't know, you guys riff on that, man. What was your, what was your take on the Oscars? Yeah, hit it, Piper.
1: Uh, Okay. Uh, well, I, I chose not to watch them in full this year, uh, partly because I watched the Grammys from tip to tail. And so I'm award showed out, but partly because I've tried to watch the Oscars and yeah, I just, uh, there's, there's just a sense of – I don't know if it's the self-congratulatory thing or it's so smarmy. I, the biggest thing is just like the movies that win awards are not movies that I've seen. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's really what it boils down to. And I feel like the reason the Oscars used to be better is because mainstream movies used to win. And I yeah. feel like more and more the movies that win are these fringy uh, – maybe not fringy, but they're ones that win because of their fringiness. So hey, yeah. this one's going to win because they filmed it with all natural lighting, as if that makes a better movie. It just it, <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff, and so it's. Uh, I just find it harder to connect with it, and then and then the whole like the Chris Rock thing. Chris Rock's one of my favorite comedians, and I will listen to him talk about just about anything. Um, and I thought what he had to say was, <laughs> it's Chris Rock being able to say things that only he can say, and I didn't find it terribly controversial because what he said was. Kind of patently true and obvious. Um, yeah, I you know he he got in his shots at different people. He made fun of Kevin Hart a few times, which is always fun. And I don't know. I just I kind of came away feeling like I mean I I don't know. The the whole thing was just kind of like they they wanted to make it controversial, and then they they think they have more power than they do, and then the people who make decisions on these movies are they're not actual movie viewers. They're like sixty five year old white millionaire movie makers who have no concept of what normal people like. And until, until a comedy gets nominated for uh for best picture, I feel like, <laughs> or a comedian gets nominated for best actor. I kind of feel like the Oscars are irrelevant.
0: Yeah. yeah. Big R. What about you, man? What's your take on all this?
2: Dude. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm like you big T. I got about 20. I think I got to best supporting actress. And then that was about yeah. where I signed off. So I, you know, I caught the, you know, I caught the obligatory rock intro, which I thought was you know it's funny I, I, I forget which one you guys just described it as being like predictable at the same time, kind of controversial I thought that was you, yeah. Big T, but yeah. it was um i I totally agree with that i there was something like mildly um you know offensive about it not not from like my standpoint but I, i'm I'm thinking about other people that might have been watching it that are a little more sensitive to like social issues. And I just there – was, there was a part about it where I thought, OK, like Hollywood's feeling uber guilty about something right now, so they need to get rock up there to sort of like yeah. poke fun at them and sort of like tear them down. Like self, they have
1: self-flagellation kind of? Yeah,
2: yeah. but almost like, like – like, man, we like we just – it's almost like Hollywood's like standing there going like, look at the climate of the world right now, and this is super embarrassing. It's super embarrassing to sort of get everybody together, pat ourselves on the back, hand ourselves awards. And we got to have somebody that can sort of tear that down a little bit so that we have a little bit of justification for just doing this bombastically ridiculous thing, which is give each other awards. And it's so <laughs> funny that nobody ever calls that aspect of it out. I mean it's yeah. the Academy giving the Academy Award. It's like pretty soon we're going to have the Happy Rant Awards, and we can like literally like nominate you know each other, and we can we can pick each other's best That's performance segment. out of the three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, at the I've, end of the day, like we all win something. But then maybe I don't know. Maybe we need to get a comedian on. Maybe we need to bring back Al Trogi from rehab, and he dude, can we'll like bring, sort of make fun of us we'll to justify the ridiculousness of
0: it. Dude, we know? should do a Happy Rant Award Show app. That should be the next <laughs> step. I, nom- does that make I nominate sen- Ronnie, does that make Ronnie as sense, best though? co-host.
2: I, I mean. Does that make sense that to totally what I'm saying, fellas?
0: Sense. It does. That totally makes sense. Look, man, my thing was it's just not fun. You know, it's not fun to get preached at by a bunch of Hollywood people. And, like, if we can't have fun talking about movies, like, mo- movies are the most kind of frivolous form of American entertainment. Like, if that award show isn't fun, then nothing's fun. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the. There was well, even nothing new about the outrage. Like, I, even the outrage was born.
1: And I feel like fun movies don't stand a chance. That's that's one of the you things know, that right. kind of turns me off to It's like, you know, James Bond movies are never going to be nominated for anything. The Born movies are never going to be nominated for anything. Rocky. I mean, Rocky might have enough dramatic... Uh, cachet, you know, there, there's going to be some nominations, Best Supporting Actor or whatever but like, the movies that people go to, because they're like, man, that just looks awesome, Star Wars it's going to win Best yeah. Cinematography or whatever, and the awards that, that movie makers care about, normal people are like, I don't even know what that is and, uh, yeah, it's just Yeah, but Piper, what about um?
2: Didn't ma- what about Mad Max, like, I was shocked at how everybody was like, oh, Mad Max, Road to Fury
1: No, but here's the thing, the reason that won, if, like I tweeted that I thought Mad Max Fury Road was a better movie than The Revenant. And so you got a handful of people who think I'm insane and a handful of people who totally agreed. But the people who agreed did not say that was an awesome, fun movie. They were like, it was such an amazing depiction of masculinity and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, oh, it was Judas. It was really fun watching dudes swing on these huge, like, spring-loaded poles and try to rip other people out of vehicles and blow stuff up. And, you know, like yeah. – I." Yes, there was some themes in that movie that were pretty powerful, but like it was it was just a really sweet movie. Yeah. Wow. But that's not okay. why it got nominated.
0: Dude, uh, R.E. Rocky. I thought Chris Rock's only funny joke was where he equated Rocky to a science fiction movie because it takes place <laughs> in a world where white athletes are better than black athletes.
2: <laughs> I was that dying. Was I was dying. That was so
0: freaking funny, man.
2: I mean, guys, can we just say that Chris Rock was the best? I mean, I, to me, I mean... I mean that was the, again of the 25 minutes I I viewed. I mean Rock was easily the highlight. You know. I, I mean I, I don't. You know I, I mean I I love a guy that can get up there and kind of do what he does. I mean on on a on a completely network slash commercial level. I, right. I mean because I really thought I really thought a lot of the things he was saying. I, I feel like he, he couldn't have even said this a decade ago. Um, yeah. And so I'm not I'm not trying to say it was so progressive in that way. But it was enough to where I was thinking, like, like, he's kind of getting away with murder right now in some ways. And but, so yeah, I, don't but, know, I was kind of impressed but here's, by that. Here's you know? the
1: thing: like in in liberal con- liberal white contexts, talking about how race ne- race issues need to change, even even and maybe even especially when you are insulting white people, is like the the. Utmost acceptable thing, like that's your badge that's of honor. That's the easiest and most yeah. boring thing. It to is. Do. It is the badge of honor, and I fall prey to this. It is the easiest thing as a white person to talk about how much white people suck about race stuff. Absolutely. And, and so he got up there and said it, and I'm sure he's he was saying that with a lot more meaning than your average liberal white person does. The thing is, the Oscars are going to look exactly the same next year. You know? They're,
2: yeah, I mean, but guys, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I just think there's something really amazing. When you got Chris Rock up there talking about like, you know, like his people being raped and his grandma hanging from a tree and the whole place is like erupting in laughter. <laughs> oh,
1: that was that was that was nervous laughter because because yeah, that yeah, was for sure. That was but it was like, still laughter.
0: That was You're like just, I don't want the camera to catch me not appreciating this and and thereby labeling me a bigot. Sort of. Yeah, laughter. Ev- everybody's you know?
1: thinking of their uh, the, whatever vine is going to be posted of their reaction, and so they have to give the appropriate amount of laughter. And again, they're all actors, so they're pretty good at it. It's yeah, that's the thing yeah. is if if he said the same thing at the Grammys, there would have been some great reactions because musicians don't have those uh, the same the same acting faces as uh, you know Jennifer Lawrence and whoever else. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Well, well, a gosh. fun night had by all. I mean, it was uh, – I, I agree with you, Ted. I mean – and I know we can't go on about this forever. But I, I really think at the end of the day what it is for me, if I'm just going to be very popcorn about it, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely
0: boring. It's dull. Yeah. Yeah, completely dull. And 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 it takes four hours. I can't watch anything bother, for though, four hours. There was a time when I thought it wasn't dull. You know what I mean? There was a time when yes. I thought like, this is big. This is cool. Like this is a thing that I should watch and – I don't know if it's our age talking, baby. That's the thing. Like, I, I don't yeah, think no,
2: it's smaller. I, I, I know because I we used to have like the I we used to have the Academy Award parties and it was Absolutely. almost like a Super Bowl party. And like you'd invite everybody over and it was fun, it was celebratory. Yeah. I, there was something. It was like an excuse to get everybody together and eat really bad food <laughs> and like watch the Cap or lose another Academy Award, you know. And yeah. um, now I just feel like I can barely stomach it. So yeah, maybe it is age. Maybe yeah. it's just a sensitivity to things like that tend to irritate us more than when we were in our twenties. Like, I I don't know.
1: I don't think it's, I don't think it's age. I think it's a society kind of shift away from, you know, experts telling us what matters, you know? So there, there's a cloistered group of people who have decided which movies matter and which ones don't. And we're supposed to be in shock and awe about their choices. When, we are in a position as soon as we see a movie to go participate in the rating of that movie. So if I go see The Revenant and I think it was a B-plus movie, I can blog that, I can tweet that, I can communicate with people about that, and really what the Academy thinks about that movie makes zero difference. Whereas it kind of used to be where like that was, it was kind of like the Super Bowl because they determined who the winners were. And now it's kind of like, well, we determined who the winners are
0: and they just get to have their opinion too. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a it's a big, you know, much like the Super Bowl, kind of a big uh, a big bloated joke anymore. Um, Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, guys, remember uh, a couple of weeks ago when we got a weird uh, piece of mail from a fan um, kind of telling us everything that we did wrong from a a show prep and research standpoint? And then the week that followed, we read that email on the air in such a way that we thought we were like ripping it to pieces. (laughs) Um, Do you remember this? yeah I that, do. so that happened on the program and and part of uh part of what was said in that email uh after all the stuff about how we sucked at research and uh, we should open Wikipedia while we record uh was kind of an interesting question about uh football uh about American football and um you know he asked several questions within it but really the the gist was um you know how can you how can you like the game Um, so how can you be one of these dads or one of these people that like really loves to watch football and then not let your kid play it? Um, and then inside of that was stuff about the concussion issue and stuff about like, um, you know, the objectification of women during football broadcasts. And and he was basically asking the question, like, how can any of you guys watch and celebrate this sport? Um, big R, I know that you don't, you neither watch or celebrate it, but you live in a place um, geographically that, that does very much celebrate it. What are your, uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Oh gosh, man. That's yeah. I mean, so this is a guy that is just, we don't really know if he's necessarily a sports fan or not. He just doesn't like, uh, sort of all of the, uh, kind, kind of what, what kind of culture it's creating. Is, is that kind of the right gist he he used the,
1: to yeah basically he's he has moved away from loving football the more he's observed like basically it's left a really bad taste in his mouth is what he said as he's noticed the safety issues the hypocrisy of it the i mean he mentioned objectification of women quick side point on that if you watch the Oscars or any movie, yeah and you enjoy those, you might be slightly hypocritical about the objectification of women, but that's a side that's a, that's a side note and yeah that yeah, was I that was sort of his point.
2: Yeah, and I think that well, that's that's kind of a social uh, commentary, isn't it? I mean, it's kind like it's it's interesting that we were just talking about the Oscars, and now we're we're kind of moving into something that is just as much of a of a of sort of a showy celebratory culture, in the sense that I think when you leave when when anything sort of uh, grows to those type types of like heights in our society, I mean, the, there's really only one place for it to go. And I think, I think all the things that our, our listener is complaining about that we just essentially complained about in terms of the Oscars. I mean, unless you have a love for cinema and film and the Oscars is sort of your, you know, one of the big highlights of your year. And unless you're a massive football fan, I mean, all of those kinds of things are going to become exaggerated, aren't they? So you either are going to, you're either going to plug into these things enjoying the, the artistic or the, uh, you know, in your guys' case, you know, sort of the as- athletic aspects of it. And you're going to have to ignore the rest of it, you know, because at the end of the day, there's still films. At the end of the day, there's still a game being played. So you either like it for those aspects, getting back to the, the, the core of what it is, or, you're just, or the other stuff is going to drive you crazy. So for me, I mean, again, not to get off topic, but to go back to the Academy Awards, I'm just not a massive, massive film guy. So when I watch things like that, it's all the other things that start annoying me because I'm just not dying on the vine of film. And, uh, and again, so I think that's the question for, for anybody to ask when they get into something that is going to have you know these love-hate sort of qualities to it. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a really good point about that sort of – you you attach yourself to the core of what the thing is. I mean, we were talking earlier about movies, like movies are supposed to be fun. And when you start to get belaboring all these other aspects of it, you just sort of suck the fun out of it. And I think football at its essence is the same way. Like it is, it's brutal, it's aggressive. It's a lot of things, but it's a fun game. And it's a fun game to watch. And if I had sons. I would let them play. And I would obviously be conscientious, you know, if they got a concussion, I don't know if I'd let them play anymore because that that can go downhill quickly. But it's just the to to when people start talking about the morality of football from a really really high horse, they've lost touch with like this is a really fun game. And and uh and that matters. Like that's a that's a and not only that. I mean, it's it's a really it's a really magnificent game to watch, too, if you're watching really highly skilled players. And so does that justify everything that people complain about? No, but I don't think you can just write it off and say it's an immoral thing and, and uh, be done with it. Because that, that misses the point, and the people who say that don't tend to be people who really love football.
2: Well, Ted, you're a uh, you're a football player. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you sent me and Pipe a photo of you doing a little uh, semi-pro. What were you, we're, what we were you wearing? Get-
1: like a
0: triple X purple T-shirt over your pads, dude? No. So I uh, I, I connected with this team, and uh, I came in for this game like right at the eleventh hour, and um, they had a jersey for me that was gigantic. And um and it didn't even have a number on it. So this was sort of a this was a scrimmage. This was like a, a preseason game against another team uh in arena football. And um yeah, it was uh that that was the deal with the jersey. But but yeah, no, I've I've I love football. Did I mean, you re- my did you repent after you played? Uh I did. I spent a lot of time repenting, still still doing that. But uh but yeah, no, I, I love it, guys. My goodness. I mean I've spent so much of my life like playing this game writing about the game thinking about it enjoying it and yeah i mean can can you find can you take any aspect of life whether it's sitcoms or movies or music or whatever and pick you know things out of it that are that are that are bad that are damaging of of course you know but um that doesn't mean we lock ourselves in our houses and never and never go outside it doesn't mean we never you know we never turn on the tv it doesn't mean we never um you know, kind of venture outside the bubble that we're in. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I love football so much that I see it as, you know, something worth investing in, you know, I, I guess I want to be coaching and I want to be playing and I want to be, you know, involved in people's lives that are in football, which sounds like a very sanctimonious answer, but, um, but, but really that's where I'm at, you know, and, and big R I'm sure you feel the same way about music. I mean, you, you love making music, you want to be a part of it and you, you see value in that. So, um, so yeah, I mean I, I guess that's where you know that's where it ends for me, you know. Um and and yeah, if at any point my kid gets concussions or I feel like it's it's not good for us to be involved in the game anymore, I'll reevaluate it, but um but yeah, I guess I guess I haven't seen the big sort of objectification of women element, you know, in the in the levels that I'm involved in. Um you know, I, I guess I don't feel the same conviction that this guy feels about it, but but I do find it very hypocritical that you know you can swing a cat in any direction in our churches and hit a bunch of dads who don't let their kids play football, but who are more than thrilled to like race home from church on Sunday and watch eight hours of it. Um, you know, I, I guess I respect this guy at least for having dropped the whole thing. If he's going to be sort of somewhat judgmental about it, at least he's gone all the way.
2: Yeah, and I think we can, man, I think we can enjoy things while acknowledging the ridiculousness of it. Because, you know, we sure. we live in, you know, the society we live in exaggerates everything. So, and again, the, the society we live in is a godless society at the same time. So yeah, anything sure. that has any redeeming quality to it um, is eventually going to be, um, you know, pushed to, pushed to excess, pushed to extreme. And I think we can acknowledge that. I mean, good grief, man. I, I've been, you know— I, As somebody who's been in the music industry for years, I mean, what a horrible, like reprehensible, like industry, right? Yeah. But I'm at the end of the day. I I mean, a song is still a song. You know, sure. and um, and you either love it because you enjoy songwriting or music production and those aspects of it or music performance and those aspects of it. Or you can just say, well, there's man, look at all the, you know, the objectification of women. Well, sure. All that stuff's going on. And there, there's not a lot I can do to push against that other than to say I'm not a part of that. But I also enjoy the craft of, you know, music making, listening, performing. And we can take on that. We can we can take it for, on that you know on that basis I think. But.
1: And, and, Absolutely. And in regards to the objectification of women, well, I mean I've heard that accusation leveled against football because you know
2: cheerleaders are cheerleaders. Put, is, cheer, is that, is that what we're talking about? I, I would
1: assume so. Um, I, but I mean the commercial breaks are usually loaded with you know beer ads and whatever else that, that are just yeah. pure sex appeal and very little else. And I guess my my response to that, and and I do not mean this in a way as to cheapen, um the seriousness or to to lessen the seriousness of that problem, but to say that is not a football problem. That has nothing to do with football. That is a, that is a marketing problem. That is, I mean, music markets that way. I mean, we talked about this on an episode a few weeks ago where like Christian, Christian music does this. They, they, they try to take the prettiest people and put them in the least provocative pose they can. That is still sort of provocative and show show the most skin they can without being act, actually you know immodest and it's just that's just what sells and i don't mean just as in like it's okay but that's that's a dumb accusation at football because that is something that it sells beer it sells chewing gum it sells cars it sells music it's it sells movies i mean movies include this stuff for that reason and it's a it is a cultural
0: issue across the board and that you you also happen to find in football, absolutely, boys. We've uh, we've got time for one more topic, but before we do that, pipe we have uh, we have yet another sponsor uh, for you to uh, beautifully promo here. So I'm going to throw it to you quickly. We do. You said at the beginning that our cup runneth over with sponsors, and I, I considered doing
1: this one in pure King James English, but I didn't have time to do a rewrite. So. <laughs> um, <clears throat> No, it's a Moody Publishers and a book called Habits for Our Holiness, How the Spiritual Disciplines Grow Us Up, Draw Us Together, and Send Us Out, and it's by a guy named Philip Nation, who I actually work with at Lifeway. Philip uh, oversees a lot of our publishing. Uh, he's also a local pastor, really good guy, um, very much invested in the people of his church and in the work, and he's uh, he's somebody he's somebody you should get behind, I think. And and I realize promoting an author is a strange thing when we're talking about a book, but Really, you're buying the voice of the author, so he's he's worth it. The whole premise of the book is about taking spiritual disciplines and kind of rethinking them because... For some, discipline is a word that we don't like because it feels like it sort of dries up Christianity. Discipline doesn't seem like it has a lot of soul in it. And his point is that disciplines are the thing that connects us to God and connects us to others in the most meaningful way. So he goes through worship and Bible study and prayer, fasting, fellowship, rest, even things like simple living and servanthood, and just looks at how those things connect us upward with God and then outward with other people, uh, but not in any sort of uh, sort of worldly way of saying, you know, these are if you do these things life will be better, but just saying there's a richness to life here, there's a reward there, there's a payoff. And so again that book is uh Habits for Our Holiness, how the spiritual disciplines grow us up, draw us together and send us out by Philip Nation and it came out a couple weeks ago as well and it's available now and since Philip works at Lifeway, you should go to lifeway.com and buy that, but it is available everywhere else you
0: can get books too. Outstanding baby, thank you for that. Guys, yeah, like I said, one more one more topic on tap today, and it sort of fits culturally with the other two, I think, because it, it involves a, uh, a kind of, you know, ridiculous institution now, sadly enough, and it's uh, and it's kind of this election cycle. It's politics. Uh, we just had Super Tuesday uh, a day ago now, uh, a, a day from when we're we're in the studio now, and um, you know we're we're approaching a scenario in which um, we could conceivably have either Donald Trump or um, Hillary Clinton as uh, as our president. So uh, the question here is: Is it okay to not vote? Um, what do you guys think about that, Ronnie? I'll let you take this one first. It was your idea. Yeah, the
2: question has kind of come up, and it's coming up a little bit in our congregation, right? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like there's this there's this kind of you know conservative American, and maybe not conservative American, but just a, an overall American bent that says. you know, uh, you know, you got to put your you got to put, you know, the the, the power of the American people is that they get to vote. And um, so there's always been, you know, in my lifetime, there was always this big push, um, you know, get out there, vote, vote, vote. Um, And it's kind of it's kind of been twisted into this thing to where it's almost like you feel like you're 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 somehow anti-American, or you're you're somehow, um, and it, from a church perspective, from a from the perspective of being a, a believer, you know, who attends a church, an evangelical believer, you almost feel like maybe it's a sin if I don't vote, or I'm not allowed to have a voice, or complain, or have an opinion about politics if I if I don't even take the time to vote. And so I think you know we've seen just sort of a sort of, uh, you know, we, we've been kind of indoctrinated with that. And so now the question comes, well, if we have Hillary on the left and we have a guy like Trump on the right, the question is, do I still have to vote for one of them? Should I even vote for the less of two evils if there isn't a less of two evils when you look at these these two candidates? And so um, there's just been a little bit of a wrestle with that. And, um, you know, I kind of come from a standpoint that says, um, you know, a right to vote is also a right not to vote. And, um, and sometimes you make your voice known by, by not doing something as much as doing something. And I think that uh, to to go um, to just vote because we need to uh, you know, sort of enact our civil duty or, the, or our right as an American, I think it can go against our conscience saying that we just vote for somebody who we completely disagree with but we believe in one or two points. We have some agreement with, as opposed to the other candidate, and I feel like um, we're we've kind of come to this bizarro place now, to where, um, again, coming from an evangelical Christian standpoint, man, we're not really given a, a very good option of which we should uh, cast our ballot for.
0: Vibe, right, what's your take?
1: Um, I have, I have two thoughts. One is every time I hear the phrase about people talking about candidates on the left and on the right. All I can think of are the lyrics, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. And that feels like, (laughs) it feels like it sums up this election cycle really well. And the second is, and I don't remember who said it. I wish I could credit them because it's not my quote. Basically they said, um, we'll just, we'll say it was Charles Spurgeon because uh, he said a lot of great things. (laughs) He said, if you're choosing, if you're choosing between two evils and you try to choose, choose the lesser, you're still choosing an evil. And so I, I, I think it, it is a matter of conscience in, in the sense that putting your vote behind somebody, even if they're the lesser of two evils, is still putting your vote behind them. And so I think there's validity in saying I will not put my vote behind either of those people, whoever those people are, for for, for whatever reason you you choose. Would it be great if we had a candidate that we thought – that would make a great president. They they're morally upstanding. They're going to do, they're going to do right by the people of this country. They understand the constitution and their role and all these things. Yeah. But we haven't had that in a while. So, um, I I think not voting is a valid option. And I also think the people who say, if you don't vote, you forfeit your right to complain. Not true. I'm a citizen of this country and I'm a taxpayer (laughs) and my taxes grant me the right as does my citizenship. Um, and then I've been told by people before, I've been told by at least two people, if you, if you, it is a sin not to vote, like verbatim. Oh, yeah. And, yeah.
2: uh, yeah, which is absurd.
1: I just, yeah, I couldn't help but laugh when, when they told me that because it just, that, that strikes me as so tying the civic reality to the biblical reality. And just, there's a confused mess in somebody's mind if they think that that is true. Because, like, the Voting is not a biblical principle. Civic duty has some, has some tenets that are deeply rooted in scripture, but, but they're, they're tenets of justice and love and, and those kinds of things, not uh, the systems of a democratic republic. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think people who choose not to vote are exercising their conscience and their civic right to not do that, and I think they should, fe- they should feel just fine about that as long as they're not doing it out of sheer laziness.
2: Well, what would happen if the church sort of stood up in this particular moment in time? And I don't know what that means when I say the church standing up because that, you know, there's a billion implications to what that would even mean. But what if the church sort of stood up and they, they actually exercised their right not to vote? I mean, I mean, is there a scenario that we can sort of dream up of what that might look like?
0: Oh, man. I don't even know. Well, I mean, all I can hear is
1: the screams and yells of people saying, but look who's going to determine who's president if we don't get out there and vote. And the reality is, quote unquote, evangelical Christians are currently putting their votes behind uh, guys like Donald Trump. So I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure that us voting or not voting is going to really affect the direction of this country greatly um, because because the majority of society doesn't give a crap about biblical principles. Right. I you know it's oh. we could bo- the church could boycott the polls and I don't think the presidential election would change all that much.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it would. Yeah, this that's year, fair enough, It's for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking this year. I mean, in, in years past, maybe, but but there's another interesting fact factor here, and that is traditionally conservative evangelicals have been tied really closely to the Republican Party, and so the thought would be that if the church boycotted maybe that's the wrong word because boycott is a, is a kind of a loaded nasty word. If we stood up and tried to make a stand against some of the political realities and we didn't vote, the thought would be, well, then the Democrats
0: will win. Yeah.
1: Although again, I think that's probably changing too, especially yeah. if Trump is the nominee.
0: Guys, I've never really labored under the, uh, the, the, the idea that my vote really mattered, you know? Yep. Weirdly enough. I don't know. I, I, some years I've voted, some years I haven't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, I've have n- never really freighted this issue with a lot of, you know, a lot a lot of import, I guess. But uh, guys, we have we have done what we always do. We've wandered to and fro. Um, we've covered some heavy topics today, man. There was there was very little haha today. So I hope. Our, uh, I hope our listeners who who tune in for the haha will forgive us. Yeah, we'll lighten it up next time. We'll definitely we'll lighten it up next just, time. It was, it was a lot of heavy today.
1: Just go listen to the clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right song, and think about Hillary and Trump, and and your your spirits will be lifted.
0: Dude, that's right. That pipe. That's good advice, man. That's solid. You know, leave it to Barnabas to to really make practical all of what we've talked about. I think about the today.
1: song is called Stuck in the Middle, but I can't remember exactly.
0: Who's the artist on that one, Pipe? Do you
1: know? Uh, we're going to call him a one hit wonder. Or or I could look it up on Wikipedia as we were instructed Ooh, to do. Ooh,
2: there you go. No, 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 no. Which will no, revolutionize. No, no. Should we, so we just guess? Yeah, we just make something up. Make up the artist. Here, here's right what now. we do
0: here's Insane clown do. posse. Insane clown
1: posse. Insane think
0: clowns to the left of me. Posse. It, is an, it
1: is an artist named Steeler's Wheel.
0: Wow. Yeah, Steeler's Wheel, yep. of course. It I mean, the long career that they had. Uh, it wasn't. Gosh, uh, one of my although, favorite bands. Although yeah, let's see, I, I
1: also see nitty gritty dirt band.
2: I used uh, to follow Steelers wheel across the country.
0: <laughs> I think and by uh, across the country you mean across certain parts of southern ohio (laughs) dude i was so bummed the day
2: they broke up man i literally took out all my Steelers wheel records and all the records all the tears i think the
1: steve miller band is the one who made it famous though i'm not positive about any of this so you know what
0: that sounds right pipe
1: that that was my first instinct but i didn't trust it so i went to google and google confused me so that was my last effort at fact checking anything i should have just said here and gone with it
0: here's what's a win-win about this scenario when we say things on the air that end up being wrong Everybody checks in on Twitter, and we still get a bunch of like traction from that man because people yeah. love nothing more than correcting us and being right. So let just way, keep, keep being wrong. I found out that, uh, that white fanging was a thing that appeared on some show. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it was.
1: It was New Girl. Was that or is that right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, we we got we got hit up on that one. On Twitter, and, uh, and yeah. at least one person hit us up and made it sound as if like that was a legitimate cultural reference. Like, no, that's, that's from
0: New Girl. Like, that's a thing. And I'm like, oh, that's a thing. I think well, the point, let think me your point say of this. reference might need to be adjusted. Let me say this on behalf of you guys I apologize for not having watched every episode of every show that exists before I made that statement. You know, I mean, I feel yeah. like that was irresponsible of me to not well, watch you know. the entire Netflix library before going on the air. Well, even if you have, no, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to let this whole podcasting go, Big T. Yeah. I know. I feel like it's passing us by, Vigar. You know, we've yeah. lost a step, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Hang it up. Hang it up. You've jumped all the shark. Right. Well, guys,
2: it was great doing this, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's just enjoy the legacy that we've built, and we'll uh, we'll start something again
0: next week. Right off into the sunset, boys. You know, it's, sometimes it's time. It is. Well, we've wandered to and fro. We've gone to a really dark place emotionally. I think all three of us, as we ponder. Uh, our, our retirement from this illustrious business, um, lots to think about lots to mull over there. And until next time, Rachel, the held Evans,
1: no matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com
2: or wherever you get your podcasts.